Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. Mike Schaefer here along with Brian Christopherson, Michael Brunts, and we are closing in on signing day in a hurry. Gentlemen, what is your biggest takeaway about where Nebraska sits right now as they head into the first of two signing periods on December 18th? We'll start with you, Brian Christopherson. Uh, I think it's a little more anxious than I expected it like back in the summer, but I don't think it's a panic mode. I think, uh, you know, they have a class that's, uh, they're heck, are they in the top 25 now that they slipped into it? Um, Nebraska? No. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at it right now and uh, maybe it switched on it, but it has it has a 25th now. I know they're 29th, uh, early, last night after the commit. Uh, but anyway, they're top 30 class right now, and I think can be a top 25 class at least. Uh, so I think it's going to be a solid group, and I think they've probably got a few guys that are very close or uh, already in the boat uh, that maybe has them feeling a little bit better than some people on the outside. All right. Well, one of the reasons why that uh, rating has changed, and they are number 25, uh, Etava Malga Clements, the newest commitment, picked up his first rating by 24-7 Sports, which has him now as an 85, a mid-three-star. Uh, that is where the 24-7 Sports has him, and then I believe other services have him even higher. So, let's, Brunt, I, I didn't get a chance to, to let you answer. I'm sorry. Before we get into the newest commitment, what's your takeaway about where Nebraska sits? Uh, I, I'm nervous, but mildly intrigued. And what are you nervous about? Well, I, I'm just nervous, anyways. Uh, nervous by nature. That's my general default is to be nervous. Um, but I, I think uh, you know where Nebraska stands right now. You know that they've got a lot of spots to fill, but but it feels like you know they're they're trending well for several guys um you know you're just gonna look at nebraska's board right now you know you, you feel good about where they stand for some guys in florida i think you know based on the the returns from last weekend's visit weekend i think they stand pretty well with uh some of those junior college guys so it's it i'm nervous because it's setting up for a lot of commitments that are going to be happening over the next you know, five, six days, whatever it is, leading up to Wednesday. And, you know, that that can sometimes go well, sometimes not. But I, I think, you know, as, as there, I suspect that there's some hand-wringing from the fans, but at the same time, Nebraska's in on a number of guys who are going to be making decisions, which, good, bad, yeah, I mean, it's going to be an interesting next five days as they kind of fill up that class and, uh, kind of turn an eye towards February and, and really finishing things off. Okay. So, so, so nervous. I'm nervous. Do you think nervous by nature would have better or worse music than naughty by nature? Uh, it would be less, uh, it, it wouldn't be as good a hip hop. I can tell you that it, it would be there. It would be lacking edge. Be kind of an indie band. I think. Yeah. It'd be like hip hop hooray. Like there, there's some question there. <laughs> Man. I think they'd be kind of like the shins. <laughs> I don't know why. I just do. I will. Uh, I'll accept that answer. All right. Let's talk some Etava Malga Clement, shall we? Uh, yes. Based on, on what you guys have read, what you've learned, what you've watched, if you watch this film, what do you think Nebraska is getting here with Malga Clements, who the Huskers are going to play 
as an inside linebacker at six foot two, 218 pounds coming from Diablo Valley College. You can have it first, Bruns. It's, you know, I, I think it's, you, you hear diamond in the rough a lot in recruiting and like a guy that's overlooked, but you, you dig into his film and he's got good film. He's got really good film. Um, you know, he, he closes well. Um, he, he's got the the background as a defensive back until he put on all this weight uh, after he got to junior college. You know, what, what Nebraska needs and what they were looking for at the spot was they wanted an inside linebacker that could play to the field side who could cover in space and, you know, also stand up physically to having to play in the box in the Big Ten. And, you know, they... they they had that, I think, with Jamoy Hodge. I think that Malga Clements, his film is better. I mean, I, I I don't think that's a huge reach to say that. And, you know, I, I think he's a guy that because of his background flew under the radar quite a bit. I think Nebraska uh, did a nice job of, of jumping on him quick and really kind of getting in there and, and selling the opportunity. And obviously his coach was on board uh, with what Nebraska was selling, but you know, I, I, I think when you get to this point in the class and you're getting these guys that are kind of seemingly coming out of nowhere, people assume oh, it's it's a reach, it's a developmental guy. But, you know, he, he you watch his film, he can do some stuff. And I, I think that's really what pops out at me. I mean, there's some guys in this class that have great film, but I, I was really impressed from the time you kind of started that huddle clip with what he was able to do. He's one of those fascinating, just like, body changing guys still like early in college and I'm I don't you know some guys yeah they get in the weight room and they add you know 20 to 30 pounds to an already big frame his frame just completely shifted it seems like from everything I've read about him when you're going from uh what 165 was what he was when he when he showed up and he was just under six feet and uh, he's grown three inches, put on 50 pounds, and uh, his coach speaks very complimentary of him, says he's going to be you know, about 225, 230, he thinks, next year at Nebraska. And everything we've heard about him suggests he's just, he's just that type of kid who's like he's doing it for more than himself, so he's got a lot of drive, I think. Uh, and his film does kind of change your mind a little bit. I was pretty skeptical when I first heard his name and kind of saw, okay, there's not much going on here. There's not much activity, but uh, then you watch his tape and you're like, okay, he's, 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 there's, there's some legitimacy to what, to what they're doing here. Let me know what you guys think of this. This is what I wrote yesterday on our site. And I think one of the reasons that I am intrigued by Malga Clements is that he gives Eric Chenander, the sort of chess piece that he really hasn't had outside of maybe JoJo Doman, and Nebraska's so thin at outside linebacker or have been that you couldn't really utilize him in different ways. But Malcolm Clements doesn't necessarily have to be a guy that, you know, leads Nebraska's team and tackles to be a very valuable member of their defense. I think the way that you can use him in matching up against different offensive players uh, across from you, that he could cover tight ends, he could cover running backs in the flat, you could even line him up on third in obvious passing situations as, a, as an outside linebacker and let him use his speed. I, I think his athleticism is a giant increase of what Nebraska has in terms of Colin Miller and Will Honus. And I think he has very good explosiveness and closing speed. And so 
I, I'm not projecting that he's going to come in here and take anyone's job immediately, but I'm very intrigued as to how Eric Shenander can use somebody that they really haven't had in the two years that he's been calling this defense. And it has the kind of athletic traits, and I'm not saying he's the same player by any means. Whoa, nor will, whoa. Nor will have the same level of success. But he has similar traits to Shaquem Griffin mm-hmm. that they had a lot of success with at UCF. Don't worry, Brunts. I'm not on the Levante David train on this one. <laughs> but, I mean, it, I the, the Griffin thing, I mean, it, it's given the background and, and kind of how what his background was. I mean, I, I think it's, you know, you, you're not trying to get the hype train too far down the tracks, but you can kind of see where I'm sure when they turned the film on, they kind of thought, you know, we, we've coached a guy like this before and, and we've had a lot of success with him. Yeah, and, and I mean, Look, like Shaquem was six foot, 220 pounds when he played for UCF. And you got to be a little bit bigger in a Power Five conference to survive. But even if Malga is only 230 pounds and he has a really high level of athleticism, I just think that it allows Eric Shenander to be creative. And for as much crap as he's taken for their defense, which has improved each of the two years that he's been here, regardless of how people want to believe that or not, it is true. He hasn't really had a lot of options to do things. I mean, when you sit here and you holler about Nebraska has to fix this and they have to fix that and they need it, you know, it reminds me of sort of Bob Diaco tried to explain this and he explained it horribly. But (laughs) the idea that if you try to plug one hole by lining up and plugging that hole, you're creating another one in the defense somewhere. And that's really what Shenander has had to to kind of deal with at times. Like you sell out to stop the run and your defensive backs aren't capable of playing one-on-one coverage, then you're going to get beat. You sell out to stop the run and you put your safeties in one-on-one coverage, they could get beat. So it's just different things that he's had to do. And I just don't feel like they've had enough pieces and enough interesting pieces to allow him to get creative. And I think this could be one that could be a lot of fun for Eric Shenander and that defensive staff. The good thing is they're going to at least have an idea out of spring if he can kind of fit in or not. I, I mean, I, that's not they're not going to have the full answer by any means. And they need to catch a break. They've had some guys show up and they've immediately been injured or they haven't been there for the whole spring that are new arrivals. And they need some of these January guys to actually be able to go all spring and you have some sort of evaluation of, okay, this guy can help us now or he can't. Uh, or he has a long ways to go in the next four months to be able to help us. So at least they're going to know that with him. Um, but everything you say, I agree with. I, I think he's 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 a f- pretty fascinating uh, addition um, that I I don't you know I don't want to go one way or the other really. But I just have an open mind about him. After the more I hear about him, the more I kind of like the possibilities. Yeah. All right. Well, so that's the the one addition that Nebraska has added since the last time we spoke, where, where are you really locked in at this point? I mean, when, when you're, you're reading our coverage, when you're seeing stuff from our network, when you're following along with recruiting right now, Brian, where, where are you locked in the most as you kind of follow what it is Nebraska is attempting to do by the time we get here December 18th? Uh, it's honestly probably the wide receiver spot still that I – uh wonder about you know and obviously there's the whole 
Omar Manning thing that's out there, you know, what, when and if he can be uh, part of this class, we'll see. Uh, but it's still that position where they're, they're so lacking in depth right now, and they have so many questions to me. I don't – this offense needs that spot to blow up. I mean, that, that's what's going to make this thing really roll if they can have five, six, seven guys out there on the perimeter that are just headaches for a defense – and right now, going into next year, you don't know if you know if they have a couple of them even. So that that's 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 a position that probably I get locked in. I like some of the wet the skill guys they already have, of course. You know, I I think William Nixon uh, has pretty exciting tape, and I'm pretty pumped about seeing what he can be. Uh, but I, I they they need more, and I I'd, I'd love it. Even though I'm not a guy who gets stuck on the measurables too much with receivers, I would love it if they could add one bigger target at least. Brunts, what do you think? Well, I mean, I, I'm curious to see kind of how the how everything shakes out with the, the junior college guys. Um, you know, Julius Coates uh, decommits from Colorado, um, you know, shortly after an in-home visit uh, with Scott Frost and, you know, kind of what his situation is um you, you've had nebraska host uh several other junior college guys um you know a couple of whom don't really seem to have uh you know a, a ton of other options uh b- besides nebraska right now i mean I, I think when you look at the fact that um you know nebraska they, they've got the inside linebacker you still need an edge rusher presence i think um you know, in, in the next week or so, uh, the, the guy that's intriguing to me, if he kind of gets the green light to join the class is Jordan Riley down at garden city, uh, all six, six, 305 pounds of him in Benton, North Carolina. So how he fits into things, what Julius Coates situation is, uh, you know, you've got Jamari Butler basically down to TCU and, and, in Nebraska after he decommitted from Tennessee. So, you know, the, kind of how they make those numbers work. I mean, it's going to be a lot of defense over the next week that we're going to hear about, but, uh, you know, what Nebraska does in terms of prioritizing those guys as well as some defensive backs that they're also in. I mean, it's they're not in a numbers crunch by any means with 15 commits, but you, you can see where this class can grow pretty quickly if the dominoes fall right for Nebraska over the next five, six days. Yeah, I so for me... I've kind of already written off that wide receiver is not going to go well for Nebraska next week. I, outside of maybe uh, Alante Brown or Marcus Fleming, uh, you know, Xavier Betts isn't going to sign. Omar Manning isn't going to sign. Omar Manning, you're going to have to wait until February and then white knuckle his grades. Xavier Betts, you're going to have to wait until February and white knuckle his grades. So for me, one of the things that I think has quietly snuck up into this finish of this class is that they have a chance to really beef up defensively. And if they were to finish with Caden Johnson and Jamari Butler as their outside linebackers that are high school guys to go along with Blaze Gunnarsson and then Junior Ajo, the, the four for three New Mexico military Institute outside linebacker, that's a heck of a, a rebuild in that outside linebacker room. And you've really added some depth there. And I, you know, we all know what Caden Johnson could provide and the potential that he has. I think Jamari Butler has a chance to really kind of be a sleeper of the whole thing. And so I like what they're doing there. And then if you want to go pie in the sky, 
Keyshawn Green, when I talked to Andrew Ivins on my radio show, I mean, he made it seem like Nebraska's a real threat here. And so with Florida State likely out of the mix with the coaching change, Miami being the other school, and mom not visiting when he went down for his official visit to Miami, the door seems to be open for Nebraska and Keyshawn Green. They like him as an inside linebacker, and he's every bit the athlete that Nebraska fans have dreamed of having in that spot. Ivan said he thinks he might be the best linebacker in the state of Florida. Those are some pretty strong words. And then throw on top of that, I think they're going to walk away with Jaden Francois, too. So they, they're going to have four defensive backs from the state of Florida, could end up with a linebacker from the state of Florida, Caden Johnson and Jamari Butler, all of this sort of coming together late. And I this was always going to be a defensive-heavy class, but these are some real playmakers and some interesting pieces. I, I think that if they actually pull this off next week, and the way that they're acting, they aren't a particularly stressed group of coaches, or at least it doesn't seem that way. It feels like they might be trending very positively defensively in this class. Now, as I mentioned at the onset, wide receiver is a whole other question mark right now. The the wide receiver picture will be interesting. Do you expect that you're going to see more names pop up in January when – I mean, you've got a much smaller pool to choose from, but uh, J.J. Hester's out there still, maybe. I mean, it, what do you kind of see shaking out there, kind of what Nebraska might do? Well, I think they've got to wait and see what happens with Fleming and with Brown. Um, and if they can get one of those guys and then they can go hard after J.J. Hester and Omar Manning, that might be your strategy. I, I don't know, you know how many new names are going to shake loose. And just from talking with other teams in the network seemingly everybody's looking for a big bodied wide receiver so it's basically like every basketball team looking for a center or every you know football team looking for that nose tackle that can play uh like sue did in 2009 it's just one of those things that everybody wants right now so the guys that are going to be available it's not like nebraska is going to be able to go in and scoop them up like it's a waiver wire in fantasy so it, it'll be it'll be a fight regardless and Frankly, I mean, outside of Charles Njoku last year, when Nebraska's had to recruit receivers after the, uh, the signing period, when they've had to do it in, in January, the names that they've had and the production from those players has not been good. And so Demarion Houston has a chance to change that. But I, I don't really think, I mean, outside of J.J. Hester and Omar Manning, I don't know if there's a lot of slam dunks that are going to be on the board. All right, let's take a quick timeout. When we come back, we are going to get into Nebraska's secondary for its future seasons and what Travis Fisher has been doing. We will also uh, maybe discuss a little basketball and whatever else comes to mind here on Husker 24-7 Podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. All right. Well, we uh, we said that we were going to talk some some secondary. Gentlemen, even including some of the guys that are planning to sign and enroll early, like Henry Gray or like Lynham, what do you make of Nebraska's secondary in life after Lamar Jackson? Who do you expect to step up next year in the cornerback spot? Because there's no shortage of names. Uh, the first guy you think of is probably Braxton Clark. Uh, but it, it was also interesting near the end of the season, I think Scott Frost and those guys are really intrigued by Braxton Clark, but he was asked specifically about Clark kind of being the next guy up. And the Frost comment was more or less, well, he's really, I mean, he's going to have to fight for it. It's going to be a dogfight in the back end. So I think they feel pretty good about how that competition is going to drastically change the next year as opposed to what it is now. Um, but it needs to because, I mean, at the end of the year, they were kind of in desperation mode back there. I felt like Markel Dismuke was probably taking on a whole lot that people didn't even know, you know, kind of, you know, calling out the defense on the back end from the safety spot. I thought it was a good move when they put Cam Taylor Britt more on the perimeter and actually moved Boodle to the safety spot. So I kind of like that idea. Uh, and then obviously, the I mean, the health of Deontay Williams and, and where, when he can be involved again looms large over the, how that picture looks because I, I know you guys kind of, I think, thought the same thing. Go, going into the season, we viewed him as one of the top five most indispensable Huskers and probably one of the better potential pro talents they had on this roster. And then we only got to see him play a quarter. And it was a big blow to this team right off the bat. I think what the what the Williams injury did to Nebraska is really limited their ability to mix and match. And and going back to kind of Schaefer's discussion in the in the first segment about you know how do you kind of fit your pieces together to to make yourself dangerous as a defense? I think Deontay Williams' presence was a real key in you know being able to you know maybe put you know, Caprio Boodle somewhere different or kind of how you use Cam Taylor Britt. Um, and when he was gone, you were really hampered. And, you know, the, the other thing that you were kind of lacking was, he, and Brian alluded to this, was you basically had one guy back there calling the defense and Markel Dismuke uh, for most of the year. So getting him back will be huge. I think one guy that also is going to have something to say in the discussion on the perimeter is Quentin Newsom. Um you know, he, he didn't redshirt. He played a lot on special teams. He's a guy that Travis Fisher loved as a corner. Um, you know, I think a lot of schools are recruiting him as a safety, uh, as a guy that was, you know, th- that, that was kind of where he was going to end up. But Travis Fisher saw enough in, in the way that Newsom ran, the way that he uh, covered to, you know, say, you know, you're, you're a corner for us. And I think he's going to get a strong look. I think, obviously, Braxton Clark is going to have something to say into that. And then, you know, you look at this group overall and the way the room's kind of changed in, in the last two years. They've done a really nice job of bringing in 
versatile pieces that you can move around and, and kind of find spots for. So, you know, we've, we've seen Boodle play safety. Uh, I think he's a natural nickelback as well, which is a, a place that he didn't play as much this year as maybe he should have. So it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. But I, I think getting Deontay Williams back and, and maybe getting that safety position kind of settled a little bit, I think will really kind of help other places. And that's not even talking about a guy like Noah Pola Gates who uh, underwent surgery uh, late in the fall and, and, you know, maybe to see what his status is. So they've got options and, and that's going to be, I think an area area of great competition in the spring. Yeah. I think it's the most fun part of Nebraska's team this spring. I think that you've got a plenty of storylines, plenty of guys that have a lot to prove, plenty of, plenty of guys that are going to have to fight for somewhere to play on this team. I mean, DiCaprio Boodle has been a starter for several years at corner. I wouldn't be surprised if he spends a lot of time playing as a nickelback or as a safety in, in 2020, um, and not necessarily as a starter either. I, I think Nebraska wants to move quickly with some of these younger corners. You mentioned Quentin Newsom. He's kind of the guy I would spotlight right now. I, I think Braxton Clark is also someone that, you know, has a great opportunity in front of them. But Quentin Newsom is someone they've liked a lot. Uh, I don't know if Brunt's mentioned Miles Farmer in there or not, but he's a guy, too, that he's going to have a, a chance to to bulk up a little bit over the winter and then come into this spring and try to find a spot where he can fit on the field. None of this should leave out guys like Lynham or Henry Gray that are going to be uh, coming on hard when they get here. And, of course, Ronald Delancey might be their best cornerback recruit that they have. He won't get here until this summer, but they, they have such an interesting group of, of defensive backs. And it's, it's such a credit to Travis Fisher who inherited probably the, the weakest position group on the roster when he got here. And there's a lot to pick from. I mean, you could fight over any number of positions that were in, in shambles when they came here in December of 2017. But in terms of bodies, he didn't have much to work with. And now they're going to have a full-blown competition for literally every spot in that defensive backfield. A guy like Cam Taylor-Britt is fascinating to me because I keep thinking he's continuing to get bigger. If he gets bigger again in this offseason, he's almost going to turn himself into an inside linebacker or an outside linebacker. And I know that there has been internal discussions about something like that, too, depending on his growth. And so... That's something to keep an eye on as well. And so they, they've got, you know, we talked about Javen Wright or Miles Farmer potentially moving down there. And then you have Noah Pola Gates. One of the downsides of this for Nebraska is it feels like for back-to-back years, they've had some key freshmen like Noah Pola Gates or Miles Farmer. You get nicked up and, and they haven't been able to play as much as what Nebraska might have wanted or haven't been able to see as much out of them as they might have wanted. Uh, Javen Wright, another guy that they, they didn't get a whole lot from. So this spring is going to be a big opportunity for these guys to sort of announce themselves uh, to the coaching staff as much as anything. Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying in the, the last segment. It feels like this program has kind of been snake bitten a bit with their new guys coming in and then they're injured for half the first year. And so it, it makes it difficult to form any sort of evaluation. And so it's basically starting at a guy like Javen Wright, for example. Uh, I don't think they know what they have yet. You know, I mean, it's it's going to be starting from scratch, as you mentioned. And uh, he's really an interesting guy because because uh, of his size. He, he seems like he's made to be an outside linebacker at, or an out, at some point in his career and move into the box. 
but yet, you know, he's he's still listed as a corner. So he's interesting. Miles Farmer is the guy among the redshirt freshmen, along with Quentin Newsom. Those two guys actually are the ones I'm most excited to see if they can kind of jump right into the fray next year. All right. Well, let's uh, – Brunch, do you have any – NBC, do you have any basketball stuff you'd like to add after Nebraska's horrifying start? but better finish against Creighton this past weekend? Well, I mean, we you kind of figure that Nebraska was going to have to play against, you know, play against some adversity, and, and you got it right. I mean, it, it's basically what's happened to every Nebraska basketball coach through the years uh, where, where you, you get completely blitzed by Creighton right out of the gates. I mean, it's almost kind of like a – it's like a hazing thing almost. Uh, right passage. Yeah, I mean, it's this team just didn't seem ready for the fight. And, you know, when Creighton always just seems to be so dialed into that game whenever it's in Omaha. I don't know what it is. Um, but, you know, they, they played well in the second half. Um, you know, Nebraska's going to kind of pick itself up off the mat. And I can step, you know, off to the side here for BC, uh, who was at Hoops today. But, uh, you've got Indiana on Friday and you've got Purdue on Sunday. So, uh, welcome to the big 10. Yeah. Fred Hoiberg sounded like a man, like, well, let's just, <laughs> let's take a shot at this kind of, I mean, he, he knows what they're up against. Uh, Indiana's playing pretty good basketball right now. Uh, Purdue, uh, it, it's, it's a problem weekend for Nebraska. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you just, you just want to see, a, a group of guys that want to go out and, and compete right off the bat though in that game and, and, and show they're not going to just get knocked down in the first round. So, you know, hopefully they can hang around. I, I am kind of expecting they might get their, the doors blown off in that game uh, on Friday. Um, they have had some luck in assembly hall, but uh, this is a, this is a whole different squad. And there, I, I just don't, I think this whole big 10 season, uh, which is about to begin for Nebraska, is going to be long and uh, probably tiring as they figure out what exactly they have to go forward with into the next year. I think uh, one, one, one thing I think you have to maybe take as a positive, Thor is playing good basketball right now. And I'm curious, to see, did, did he address that at all today, Brian, about kind of, you know, is there a bigger role for him going forward? Because it seems like, you know, when you're struggling with inconsistency. Thor's kind of the one guy that you can maybe count on over there on offense and defense to be in the right place, do the right thing. Uh, and maybe something you can kind of build around a little bit. No, there was, there wasn't a lot of talking about Thor. The main topic today, <laughs> no, no to- Thor talk. No, we got, I got no Thor talk. I, 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 I'm disappointed. I didn't know after you talk about it, but, uh, the main subject was playing on Friday and then again Sunday afternoon and sort of uh, kind of like an NBA schedule this weekend that Fred Hoiberg is a little bit used to. He thinks the fact that they, you know, they played in that tournament in the Cayman Islands and you had to you had to play some kind of back to back games. Uh, so he's hoping that's going to help them. Um, but as you guys know, it's it's such a grind when you get even like a few games into the league play. They're not that deep yet. But uh, I'm interested to see how this team handles that as, you know, you probably deal with some losing and trying to stay together and kind of stay positive uh, about the big picture. That's, I think, going to be the biggest challenge for this coaching staff is keeping guys kind of focused on that big picture and 
Uh, and also, I, I think guys got to kind of see it. At, let's just be blunt here. Some guys got to see it as sort of a tryout, like show that I, I'm a part of this thing for a few years and I, I'm somebody who's needed here. And I, I think that, uh, you know, nobody's going to say that, but I, I think that's definitely going to be part of the deal this season. Have you guys watched much Big Ten basketball this year so far? I haven't watched one minute yet. It's uh, it's going to be a knife fight this year. Like the, I mean, Illinois is significantly improved. Rutgers beats Wisconsin. Penn State wins over Maryland. Uh, it's a it's a tough year for Nebraska to be kind of blowing up the roster and trying to rebuild this thing piece by piece. I mean, it's I don't know that there's a true elite team because I think Michigan State's maybe not as good as everybody thought they were at the start of the year. But it's going to be every night just a challenge, I think, for Nebraska to hang in with some of these teams. Yeah, it is going to be a brutal, brutal year in the. Uh... The Big Ten for Nebraska, especially with a team that has no size inside whatsoever to compete with some of the other programs that they'll be going up against. You look at Penn State lost by 30 to Ohio State and turn around and they won the other night uh, against who, Maryland? And so, yeah. mm-hmm. it, you know, that's a, that was a good Penn State team that had the doors blown off of it by Ohio State. I, I hate to say this, but I think there's going to be a lot of lopsided, ugly losses in Nebraska's future in Big Ten play because I just they don't have the horses and they don't have the size. But if on nights where they shoot well, they'll give Nebraska an opportunity uh, and and to steal a couple wins every now and then. But it it's going to be rougher than I think people even envisioned, even those of us that might have been pessimistic in May about where this thing was headed with a turned over roster. All right, I want to leave the listeners with one final thing after just, you know, really going heavy on how bad Nebraska basketball is. Uh, Each of us will pick one player that we feel strongly will commit to Nebraska and sign on December 18th. I will let you guys fight over which one of you can go first. No one can choose the same player. Oh, man. Promise, Uh, go. You you want me to go first? Yes. All right. Look at this. Tepid. This is the opposite of Big Ten. I don't. I don't want to fight right here. I am. Just I'm dipping like the one, one big toe in the water. That's all. All right. I I will go. I I think Marcus Fleming, uh, the the wide receiver out of uh, uh, Miami. I, I think he's going to end up in this class. Um. You know, I, I, it's not the big bodied wide receiver that everybody wants. You, you're going to have to settle for. Uh, one of the fastest wide receivers in Florida uh, instead at 5'10", 160. So uh, my apologies, but I, I think he, uh, he he's going to be the guy that will end up in this class uh, for Nebraska out of uh, their their old stomping grounds in Florida. Okay. I'll, I'm going to – you can bat this down because you might have better intel late, but I you know that I don't always jump on the crystal ball. But I did jump on my man Julius Coates. Can I, I can I ride with that, or should I have reason to say no, no? Because I mean, that's the guy I kind of want to ride with. All right. Well, you can ride with Julius Coates. All right. I'm party. going to. I'm going to. It's my party. You're right. The only thing that I would <laughs> caution there is I have absolutely no idea what it is Nebraska is doing with junior college defensive linemen at this point. So um, anything is possible. But I do think Julius Coates is the number one guy on the board as far as they look at junior college defensive linemen. And I think if the door is open, he would absolutely commit and sign to Nebraska. And he may have already committed and has just been, you know, quiet about it. So, so you're I, suggesting he's a silent commit, Mike? Yeah, that's, that's what it sounds like. 
It's a it's a possibility. That's all I'm saying. Uh huh. All right, huh. I will. Uh, I'll finish with this. <laughs> I am going to predict Jaden Francois. It's a Nebraska Miami battle. I just think that there's something that tells me that Nebraska feels like they're getting one of these defensive backs. They felt that for a while, but Francois is still going to visit Miami this weekend. They're going to get one more chance, but I think he's going to choose to play with his boys, Henry Gray and Ronald Delancey in the Nebraska defensive back. So Jaden Francois for me. He has a cool name too. He does have a cool name. He does have a cool name. And and once again, uh, we do a podcast and something in downtown Lincoln is closing. Uh, Farewell spicy chicken from Lazari's at 2 a.m. I think, I don't know if Brunt's likes Lazari's. I think BC and I do, but I that was my favorite pizza spot downtown. So I'm I'm a little bit disappointed. I haven't been going as often as I used to. But well, you're uh, part of the problem. Well, what can I? Maybe do? if I you went out, more. I live out here in suburban Lincoln. How can I get it to downtown? <laughs> Are the Euro shops still open, or have we lost those too? Now is that the next? They're on the shopping block. They're next. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're actually expanding. Like the, you've got a couple of them down in uh, like 27th and Pine Lake now. Well, you see, they're leaving downtown. Downtown's going to become a ghost town. There's just going to be nothing on O Street anymore. Well, where are people going to go? Where, where to is South Lincoln? Where, where is Washboard Guy going to perform? Is he still <laughs> there, by the way? I don't know. I haven't been on O Street in years, and I'd like to keep it that way. Well, no, I I think the three of us should hit the town on one of those Thursday nights. Is Thursday night still in? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. (laughs) This is the oldest, saddest (laughs) podcast ever. The three of us stroll into iguanas and just see see what the looks we get. That that's the oldest uh, white, <laughs> like the oldest thing you could possibly say is is Thursday night still Thursday night? That's a good question. <laughs> Thursday night is for football. Enjoy your uh, Ravens Jets. I don't know if anyone will listen to this before that game happens. All right, gentlemen, it is uh, time to conclude. We'll be back with another podcast, hopefully before signing day, and then of course we'll recap everything that happens for Nebraska on signing day and more on Husker twenty four seven.